Okay, so we're going to we're going to teach here. And honestly, I believe today um, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to pray, pray for you more than I preach. So I think at the end of service, I'm going to pray for those who desire to um, to receive prayer. I think I'm supposed to my assignment this morning is to pray more than to preach. And I have plenty, plenty, plenty of stuff to preach, but I'm not in a I'm not in a hurry. And my job is to is to discharge something this morning. Um, so open your hearts to receive the word of God. And even those few moments ago when I just, you know, kind of talked about God listening to our heart. It's important for us to prepare our heart to receive the seed of the word of God. You can listen to all the great preaching you can possibly listen to. If the soil of your heart is not right, the seed won't grow and it won't produce. I don't care how much preaching, preaching you listen to. You can listen to all the great preachers. The seed of the word will not grow and will not produce in your life if the condition of your heart is not right. And so humility and repentance is so important. The confession of sin All those things are important because it's the quality or the soil of our heart that determines the productivity of the seed of God's word. And if you want to see God's word produce more uh, in some situations, you don't necessarily need to hear more preaching. In some situations, you need more repentance. Sometimes the soil is bad. And that that becomes a problem because Paul tells us this. He says knowledge puffs up. And the, the danger of hearing more preaching with a heart that's not cultivated to produce a greater harvest is your heart becomes hardened to what you hear. Because you live in a perpetual state of no productivity, but you gain more word. And the more word you hear that you don't act on that does not become fruit in your life, your heart becomes harder. It becomes more familiar to you. And you think, I heard that. I know that. I read that. I can confess it. In some situations, you can teach it, but there's no fruit in your life and will be no fruit in your life. Abundant fruit, unless the soil of your heart is right to receive what's being communicated to you. Somebody say amen. I'm I'm just I'm I'm just pastoring this morning. This is it's kind of pastoring stuff here today. Um, And even even when I say that it's important to open your heart to to receive when I make those kind of kind of statements, um, you know, you have to you have to honor and receive from the spiritual covering that you're honor that you're under. Let me talk about this for a moment. You, ha- you have to. And it's difficult for me because it sounds selfish, but I trust that, you know, my heart, number one. And what I'm saying is a universal principle that works in any church anywhere in the world for all times. And so I'm not talking about me. Take me out of the out of the picture. Um, Let me step over. here. I preach from over here. So I'm standing in the pulpit that way. In any setting. God places leaders in our lives for spiritual covering, not not to dictate anything in our lives, not to manage and and micromanage our lives, but spiritual covering. And the only way for you to receive is that in your own heart, you have to humble yourself to place yourself under that covering. If you will receive the grace that God has made available in any in any setting. 
And I use the analogy to explain what I mean this way. I'm not talking about control at all in any way. But I'll explain it, explain it this way. You have to come under the umbrella if you don't want to get wet. If you don't, if you have to, if you don't want to get wet, you have to come under the umbrella. If you want to get wet, don't come under the umbrella. You're free to get soaked if you want. It's your business. But in any setting, if you want to be dry and to not be wet, you have to make a decision to come under the umbrella that somebody is holding. They don't force you. Watch this. They don't always move the umbrella to come over and cover you. Come on. But if somebody is holding an umbrella and you've been invited, you have to come and stand under the umbrella. That is a simple analogy of how spiritual covering works. That there are certain elements that are coming down in our generation spiritually. Darkness, forces of darkness, demonic activity, certain things are coming down. And what God does is he gives the shepherds, the legitimate shepherds. You got false prophets, of course, unfortunately. But for the legitimate shepherds, God, God gives us an umbrella of spiritual covering to hold up. And for those who desire, they're welcome to come under the umbrella and to have shade and to have protection for some of the spiritual elements that are coming down in a society. And people are free to not be under the umbrella if they don't want. You know what we don't do? We don't cry when people don't want to be under the umbrella. We celebrate the people who are. I'm telling you about, I'm talking to you about, about spiritual principles that are, that are going to be vitally important in society as we move toward the great day, the great day of the Lord. So these are, these are very strong principles that, are, that I'm, I'm seeing undermined in a generation, but they're there are institutions and ordinances that Jesus himself has, has put, inside, put inside the church. Amen? So we're, we're, we're here for your family's protection and to serve your family's best interests. We, we pray incessantly for you. And um, Jesus did not make a mistake by putting us in churches. He did not make a mistake by giving us apostles. He said, I have set gifts in the church, some apostles prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Jesus did not make a, state, make a mistake in the structure of the church. Yes. It functions the way that it was his design, and it's our, our heart's desire for our pastors and our elders. We live to incessantly pray for God's very best in the lives of, lives of his people. Yes. Every one of us needs pastors. Amen. Every one of us needs spiritual covering, us included. We have it. We don't, it's, it's, part, it's part of the kingdom. There there. Are, there are dimensions of your life and my life that God will not allow you to access without spiritual covering. It just it won't, it won't happen. He set it up that way. There's just certain graces that are released to open new doors of destiny and purpose that you can't open for yourself. It's, it's a mechanism that God has put in place to keep us all humble. Come on, because if I could create the life that I wanted for me with nobody's help, you know how prideful I would be? You know, that would lead me to a dark place. Yes. 
if it didn't keep me in a position of faith and humility that I, I needed not only God, but I need other people to refine and to open things and to reprove and to challenge me and to help me grow and to move me, help me move in the right direction. I, I need, we all need that. Come on. God didn't make a mistake when he says all we like. He says all we like sheep. Come on. Somebody say sheep. sheep. All we like sheep have what? Gone, Gone astray. astray. All throughout scripture, he used the analogy of sheep. That did you, you always got some sheep, <laughs> the whole flock going that way, and some other sheep just kind of, and you got to go with the rod of correction and tap that sheep on the head to say, come on back over in the flock. And you're trying to steer the church this way, and then you got somebody that going over this way, going off, and you got to go say, come on, Elder Carlton, you go call this, get back over here in the flock. He says, it's sheep. Come on, you understand me this morning? That's right. Not to control the sheep, but there are wolves all around waiting for isolated sheep for dinner. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. You're dead. You're gone. You're toast. You, the wolf is going to devour you. <laughs> it's for protection. It's being under the umbrella. As long as you're with shepherds that have rods, you don't have to worry about the wolf. Amen. This is what God's, this is, man, this, this is basic stuff that we've gotten away from in the church. Yes. To know why he says he sets the solitary in families. He brings us together as a church body. So somebody say amen. amen. And that was all just Sorry. impromptu. It and it held holding me back from all this stuff. That, ah. <laughs> you just go with the flow, right? I told you it's one of those days that I got, I got tons of stuff. I'm just, just pastoring here for a minute. Let's see how far we can go. Um, so I've been teaching this idea of, of Making better believers, and I taught last week on the authority of uh, a praying and a fasting church. Which my plan was to do this in two parts and be done, and I just don't think that's going to quite happen. So that's okay. So we're talking about this idea of, of making better believers, and then today I, I'm going to at least introduce this idea of what it means to be seated in heavenly places in Christ. Everybody say seated, seated. in heavenly places in Christ. That is a very important statement for believers. Understanding your authority in the kingdom of God will make you a better believer. Understanding your authority in the kingdom of God will make you a better, better believer. But but get this, not understanding your authority in the kingdom of God will make it so that you cannot become a better believer. Let's just say it this way. The only the thing that's standing between me and you and where you are and where you need to be in God is authority. The thing that's between where you are and where you need to be is authority. The Lord has not held back anything from any any of us. But we do have an enemy whose objective is to hinder us from what it is that God has already ordained for us. And until you, as Jesus says, bind the strong man and until you exercise authority over the opposer and his opposition, you will never receive what it is that God is already destined for you and already given you. 
Let's just say it's over there. I use the analogy of football sometimes. Let's just say the goal line is over there. But there's 11 guys in between me and the goal line to stop me from getting there. You have an enemy of your soul. So the only thing that stands between me and everything that God has for me, because he's already given me the victory, declared me to be victorious. The only thing that's standing between me, where I am and where God desires for me to be is authority and me having enough authority to overcome the opposition that keeps me from what God has already ordained. Are you following me? This is a big deal. This is a big deal in life. And this, this teaching here of what the scriptures talk about us being seated in heavenly places in Christ is something that's, that's vitally important to this. In most situations, I, I shared this a moment ago, in most situations, we already have all the information we need. Isn't that true? It's, it's, it, you'll be amazed if we really sit down how most of us already know anything we need to know to do what God has called us to do. But why don't we do it? We know we know it. But why don't we do it? In some situations, we're too weak. We're fearful. We're hurt. We're offended. We're discouraged. We're intimidated. Undisciplined. Unmotivated. Even though we have knowledge of what we need to do to get where we need to go and what we need to do. Why can't we do it? We're too weak to do it. For some reason or another, there's, an, there's some kind of opposition, tangibly or intangibly, that stops us and keeps you from becoming who God has called you to be. And you need authority to overcome it. And until you rise up and overcome it with authority, it will never be given to you on a platter. Amen. Am I telling the truth? We know. We know what we need to do. We know it. We know it, but why don't we do it? There are forces, tangible and intangible. We're going to, we're going to get back to Ephesians chapter 6, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness. And we're going to talk for a moment about all of these forces, tangible or intangible, that are there to hold us back from the inheritance that God has for us, even though we have head knowledge of what to do. There are some more of the forces that we've got to overcome. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, here, so let's, let's get started. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, and read down to verse 7. It tells us this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, speaking of, of God, first thing, made us alive together with who? Christ. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, secondly, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward who? Where? One of the most powerful verses of scripture in all the Bible. They're all powerful. This is one of the most powerful verses of scripture. I, I want to encourage you Meditate on this. Please heed the instruction. Meditate on, meditate on this. It says he made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together in the heavenly places. That's very important. 
in Christ Jesus made us alive, raised us up, made us sit together with Christ in heavenly places, made us alive, raised us up, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. I've always reminded you that all of the, the, the Pauline epistles, they always state in Christ, through Christ, for Christ, by Christ, never apart from him. We can do nothing. Jesus himself said it in John chapter 15. I am the true vine. You are the branches abide in me because apart from me, you can do nothing. And so you see Paul following through on his theology that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And so Paul always quantifies anything he teaches by saying in Christ, through Christ, for Christ, by Christ, in Christ, through Christ, for Christ, by Christ, because apart from Christ, you can't do it. And so the scripture says he's made us alive together. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You made alive, raised us up, made us sit. I'm looking at that. That's that's a picture of resurrection, righteousness and reward. Resurrection, righteousness and, and reward made us alive. Resurrection. Made us sit together with him, raised us up. That's righteousness. And then made us sit together. That's reward. That's eternal reward. Righteous, resurrection, righteousness, and reward. Look at the first principle here. Let's look at this one. The biblical foundation, so to speak, the biblical foundational truth concerning our exalted position in Christ in heavenly places is the basis of the church's authority on earth and governs all the rules of spiritual engagement concerning spiritual matters. That's a synopsis of those verses we just read. The biblical foundational truth concerning our exalted position in Christ in heavenly places, not on earth, but in heavenly places. That is the basis of the church's authority on earth. And it governs all the rules of engagement concerning spiritual matters. So. That that analogy that I talked about, the authority and the opposition that has to be overcome for us to obtain and to be what God has called us us to become. What is the basis of our authority to do that? It's our exalted position in Christ in heavenly places. That's the basis of our authority. The basis of our authority is not our strength. It's not our ability. It's not our resume. It's not our talent. It's not even because we did everything right and we didn't do anything wrong. The basis of our authority is the fact that by God's design, we've been exalted into a position where he's made us alive, raised us up, made us sit together in Christ in heavenly places. That is the basis of your spiritual authority and the authority of the church. And the second part of that, that exalted position in Christ in heavenly places and not on earth, that that. That governs all the rules of engagement in spiritual matters. Position is vitally important. Your authority is connected to your seat. Notice notice we're exalted in heavenly places, in heavenly places. The The Bible teaches this for believers. In heaven, on earth. This is, the, this is the general kingdom principle when you study the, the, the gospels and you study the New Testament. In heaven, on earth. It never talks about on earth, on earth. Are you following me? It never, it never talks to us on earth, on earth. It always talks to us 
in heaven on earth. That the key to having authority over earth is you got to be exalted above earth in heaven. And as long as you are in heaven, you have authority over earth. But if you are on earth, parallel, eyeball to eyeball with circumstances, you will never win. And you do not have the authority to overcome that opposition. You have to be above it. And so that is connected to our position in Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, Jesus tells us that as it is in heaven on earth, it always talks to us. The mindset, the mentality for the New Testament believer is in heaven on earth. Everybody say in heaven on earth. Heaven. Come on, make listen. Just rehearse that in your own life. Every situation, anything that comes against you, anything you're dealing with, any breakthrough, any opposition against you. Tell yourself first and foremost, cultivate a mindset in heaven on earth. Just begin to confess that to yourself over and over again. I'm in heaven on earth. I'm in heaven on earth. I'm in heaven on earth. That always puts you in a position of authority in Christ that you are looking down on the enemy in your circumstances and not across at him. You cannot engage the devil eyeball to eyeball. He's intended to be under your feet. If you ever sit down with the enemy at a negotiating table, you lose. There's only one position that the Lord communicates to us about the enemy and any kind of spiritual opposition under your feet. You shall trample upon serpents and scorpions, Jesus said. You don't you don't talk with them. You don't discuss. You don't negotiate. You don't interact with them. They only they only belong one place under your feet. And until you understand in heaven on earth, you will always wrestle with things in this in this life and you'll never you'll never obtain Amen. spiritual victory. Amen. This idea of being in our exalted position in Christ in heavenly places, that is the basis of our authority. And it governs all the rules of engagement for spiritual forces. Somebody say, man, are you are you tracking with me? If, if you don't if you don't embrace this principle, forget the notes, take a picture of the screen, whatever I send you the notes, whatever you need. But. I, I want you to I want you to get this. I'm, I'm encouraging you get this, because if you don't watch this, this Ephesians two, you if you don't get this principle, let me say it this way. You will live your life. Trying to fight to win instead of winning to fight. That came out right. If you don't understand your position in Christ, you will live your life. Trying to fight to win instead of winning to fight. Let me explain the difference and what I mean by that. When you're when you're not in a position in heavenly places in Christ, the best you can do in this life is try to fight life <laughs> in every day just fighting, fighting. Oh, pastor, pray for me. It's a fight. It's a fight. Somebody pray for me. It's a fight. It's a fight. It's hard. It's a fight. When you don't when you don't understand and you don't apprehend your exalted position in Christ in heavenly places, you'll you'll always be fighting, trying to win. But when you understand and take by faith your exalted position in heavenly places in Christ, you're not fighting to win. You're winning to fight because they're in that seat. First Corinthians 15, 57. Now, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Here it is again through 
our Lord Jesus Christ, in Christ, for Christ, through Christ, by Christ. He gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. He's already given us the victory. That's the goal. That's what God has already given us. He's already given us the victory. But if you don't understand your exalted position in Christ, you'll constantly fight trying to win. But when you take your rightful place in Christ, you're winning to fight. And what I mean by that, you begin to acknowledge in your exalted place in Christ, I've been made alive with him. So my sins have been forgiven. I've been raised up with him and elevated to be joint heirs with Christ. Whatever he gets, I get. I'm a son. He's a son. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren because both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are one. I go to my father and to your father. I go to my God and your God. Jesus elevates you to be the family of God. To as many have believed on him, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. We reject the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we embrace the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And because we've suffered with him, therefore, we will also be glorified with him. Until you begin to understand that theologically and to embrace that as your only truth, you'll always fight to win. But when you know that, then now you're winning on a daily basis to fight. And out of that position of strength, now you can go and fight against the works of darkness and unrighteousness from a position of strength and not weakness. Now you've been empowered to overcome the opposition. Are you with me this morning? (laughs) Don't fight to win. Win to fight. I I, I, I use this analogy to explain this, and I I say it this way when I I teach this. You're not not fighting to get up to where Jesus is. You're fighting to not come down from where you already are. I'm just trying to be righteous. I'm just trying to trying to get myself together. That's your problem. You're you're trying instead of receiving by faith what's already been done. Two thousand years ago, he took care of all of that. Jesus won the victory on the cross. Won over. It is. You say I still got some work to do. I'll be back. No addendums. It is. That means he won the victory. And the the scriptures tell us here, you you were made alive with him together. You were raised up with him, made made to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ. You're not fighting to get up to where he is. Your fight is to not compromise and not come down from where you already are. Your fight and my fight is to not behave like something less than what God has made us to be. Your fight is to maintain your dignity as a kingdom citizen of God and to know that you are royalty and that you are an ambassador for Christ in this earth. In this earth. Your fight is to stop talking cheap, stop talking negative, get rid of unbelief, for you to get rid of doubt, for you to have the character of Christ, to behave like Jesus, to show his love. Your fight and my fight is to not come down and compromise what we already are in Christ. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? We're not fighting to try to 
conjure up something. You're already there. You're already it. It's already been given to you. The work is done. Two things. Change your mindset. Number two, start acting like it. Change your mindset. I always tell you the, the mind is the portal or the conduit for heaven. All, for whatever reason, God funnels all of heaven through your mind. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 2, you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind is the conduit for all of heaven's reality. It has to flow through your mind. That's why we need to, to be like-minded. We need to have the mind of Christ to be able to understand the kingdom realities on earth. God cannot bring us into being kingdom citizens if our minds are small and our minds are not renewed. And so we have to constantly renew our minds, what I call elasticity of mind. It's, it's elasticity of mind. God literally, you know what growth is in the kingdom of God? is God stretching your mind. Yes. You remember I talked to you before about the difference between faith and paradigm? It's, it's, a grow, it's not just growing faith, it's, it's growing your paradigm and God opening your mind enough until heaven, your exalted position in heaven becomes your only reality and you think in heaven on earth versus thinking on earth on earth. Are you following me this morning? It's a, it's a shift that has to take place in terms of us being in our, our exalted position. So. <laughs> oh my goodness this, this phrase Ephesians 2 it says that we, we we're made alive together with Christ we're, we've been raised up together with Christ and we're seated let's pull that up for me Isaiah that verse of scripture Ephesians 2 verse 5 then it says lastly we've been seated uh, next part of that I'm sorry Um, Verse six. Yeah. Yeah. Raise us up together. Get this phrase. Made us sit together. Let me tell you what I'm thinking right now when I read that phrase. Made us sit together. You know, you know, sitting is a posture of rest. Sitting is a posture of rest. When you're standing on your feet, you're doing stuff. You're working hard. <laughs> but he says he's made us sit together. Cross your legs if you want to. And so if, I, if I'm seated with Christ, I, I dis, I'm deciding for me now, if, I, if I'm seated together with Christ, let's just say I choose the lazy boy. You can sit on a hard old bar stool if you want to. I think it's at least a lazy boy that reclines with them things that kick your feet up. And before you know it, you sleep, you snoring and the TV's watching you or whatever. Some of y'all do that. Some of y'all gonna do that today. <laughs> but just, let's just say one of those big, nice, comfortable chairs. Now, the Lord don't give you no bar stool. Ain't no bar stools in heaven like that. He, I, it's, if he's going to give you a seat, 
Let's just say it's going to be the finest, most comfortable seat. I tend to think a recliner where you can put your feet up and rest. There remains a rest for the people of God, Hebrews says. So I choose the lazy boy. Maybe that's part of my encouragement. I don't know what, what my point is today. I got a bunch of them. But maybe one of them is to, is to encourage you to take your place of rest where you've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. You've been made to sit together with him. Not fighting to win, but there you win to fight. Is this making sense? Yes. Not too far out there, am I? All right. Next principle. We'll go, we'll go a couple more here. Next principle. The church of Jesus Christ is his sole delegated agent of authority on earth. The church of Jesus Christ is his sole delegated agent of authority on earth. Let's look at um, Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all what? Authority Authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority was given to him in heaven on earth. You see that phrase? I just said that in heaven, on earth, in heaven, on earth, all throughout the scriptures, in heaven, on earth. That needs to shape the framework of our thought life as believers in heaven, on earth. And I I shared last time, once all of that authority was given to Jesus, what did he do with it? He didn't just keep it for himself. He decided to share that authority with his church. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 18. And I also say to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my what? I will build my church, backed by all that authority that Jesus has, that he's delegated to the church. And let's deal with this one for a moment. And the what? The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Okay, I'm going I'm to stop there, because I don't want to pass this one up. I'm going to talk about the gates Talk about gates for a minute, and then I'll, I'll get to the rest next time. This is too good for me to take it home and just keep it for myself. I want to share. So, my pleasure. <laughs> Are you guys enjoying church as much as I am? I'm, I'm, you can, the, the anointing can be here, and you can have a good time. It ain't going to be all like all stiff and all starchy, and you can't breathe and stuff. I'm, ha- I'm having fun today. And the presence of God is here. He's our father. He wants us to enjoy himself in his presence, his fullness of what? Come on, come on. They're having a good time this morning. All right, let's deal with this one. So I'm talking about the church's authority. Seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Made us alive together with him. Raised us up together with him. Made us sit together with him in an exalted position in Christ in heavenly places. In earth, in heaven, on earth. In heaven, on earth. Let me let me back up here for a moment. I all authority was given to Jesus. He delegated that authority to the church. The next part explains that I give the I give you the keys of the kingdom. We're going to come back to that. That's the authority part. He gives us the keys to the kingdom. We'll come back to that. But before he gets to the keys of the kingdom, he explains the purpose of the keys. (laughs) So let's talk about the purpose of the keys. Let's talk about why you need the keys. So that authority, he's going to build the church. 
and the gates. Everybody say gates. gates. He says the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So let me let me let me give you a few examples of 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 the gates of how gates function. I was reading this this morning and praying in the spirit over it. And the Lord reminded me of some gates. First one was Judges chapter 16. Beginning of Judges chapter 16, um, it says that the that Samson went to a place called Gaza. And it says that the Gazites wanted to kill Samson. And the Gazites, all of his enemies, told Samson, come out. We're going to kill you. And they all their army surrounded the city. And You know, the Bible says at midnight. Samson heard what they were saying. You guys know the story of Samson, right? Like how the Lord would anoint to him. And he had supernatural strength. Everybody say strength. strength. He had supernatural strength as long as he obeyed God. Yes. He had supernatural strength. The moment he disobeyed God, his strength left. So he this is a time when he was still operating under this anointing. When the Bible says the spirit of the Lord would come upon Samson. And Samson would do amazing things supernaturally because he had this strength. Come on, overcome opposition when the spirit of the Lord came upon him. So there these knuckleheads are telling Samson out there talking smack, talking stuff, job talking and saying, we're going to kill you. Come on out with your bad self. (laughs) The Bible says at midnight, I guess Samson got tired of him. Samson, the Bible says this, he went out. And the Bible says that Samson grabbed the gates of the city and pulled the gates with the gate post up out of the ground and put them on his shoulder and took them to the top of a mountain. I think they ran when they saw that. <laughs> Get this. Stick, stick, stick with me. Let's just say the strength or the anointing of God against his opposition made Samson tear the gates out of the ground. So when Jesus tells you the gates of hell won't prevail against you. I told you before the principle of analogy of fidei. Scripture is his own best interpreter. Always use scripture to interpret scripture to understand a fuller revelation of what God is saying. When Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Let me give you a new perspective. He's telling you with the greater anointing that's in you that came upon Samson and left, that same anointing is in you. Jesus is saying, tear the gates off of hell. Rip them off the ground. He's saying, rip the gates of hell off their hinges. I'm going to raise up my church with the authority who's going to tear hell's gates and pull them up out of the ground just like Samson. You know what we do in many situations in life? The Lord spoke this to me. He says, my people are standing behind gates that I've already given them the authority to remove and to pass through. Can you imagine a little white picket fence surrounding me right now? But I want to go over there. (laughs) I wish God would heal me. I wish God would help me. Oh, the devil is busy. 
and there's a little, little three-foot fence that you can move the thing out of the way and go on over to wherever God has called you to do when, you, when you've been anointed and given the strength to remove the gates. Amen. Okay, you don't believe me. Acts chapter 16. Okay. Paul and Silas are in prison. In bondage. They were behind some gates. <laughs> the Philippian jailer was outside. Paul and Silas, they just sitting up in church, worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord, honoring the Lord. And this time God shows up and an earthquake shakes the jail. All the gates flew open. So let's just say that praise was another key that opened some gates. You guys don't believe me. Okay, I'll give you one more. But y'all don't believe me. Acts chapter 12. Peter had been thrown in jail. Doing God's work in prison. Acts chapter 12. I don't know the verse, but it's in there. Acts chapter 12. Peter had been thrown in prison. And listen, the Bible actually says that while Peter was in prison, the church people were having a prayer meeting praying for Peter. They were in intercession like we were doing on Friday, like we were doing the prayer call. They were, they were praying, praying for Peter in jail, who, who was behind some... Case. Couldn't get out. Or at least they thought they had him. That's right. You know, sometimes the devil thinks he has you. <laughs> Don't ever agree with him and think you're bound. He can't. He, there's no prison big enough and strong enough for Come the on, devil man. to keep you. Come on. He yeah. thinks he's, he's yeah. I got him now. No, brother, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 don't, you don't even know. You think you got me. So Peter's in, in prison, and the people are praying for, for, for Peter. That's why we're talking about raising the level of prayer in our church. And get this. The Bible says the angel of the Lord showed up to Peter, who was sleeping between two guards. And it was guards outside the prison. And the angel shows up to Peter <laughs> And elbowed him. It's funny. Read the scriptures. The, the angel said, Peter, get up. He must have been snoring. <laughs> I'm the angel of the Lord, man. Get up. It's me, for real. And the reason I'm saying that is because the Bible says Peter thought it was a dream. The angel said, pinch yourself. It's, it's really, I'm Peter, I'm really an angel of the Lord. Really, for real. Because Peter thought it was a dream. And he elbows Peter and says, get up. <coughs> then the angel tells Peter, secondly, put your clothes and your shoes on. That's interesting. Put your, put your clothes on and your shoes on. And it says that once Peter got dressed, escorted by the angel, it says the prison doors. 
And it literally says that when they got to the gate of the city, the scripture says the gate opened of its own accord. It's another picture of Peter walking forward. And the Bible says the gates just, all the doors, they just begin to open. So you see how Samson handled his gates. He ripped them up off the ground. All Paul and Silas did was kept praising the Lord, and God sent an earthquake to shake the gates open. They just prayed for Peter. God sent an angel, and all the gates opened up. And I will build my church in the gates of hell. Scripturally, either you're going to rip them off the hinges Amen. Come on. or God's going to send an earthquake or he's going he's to open the gate supernaturally. Either way, they're coming open. They're coming open. Amen. I don't care how he does it. I don't care which way. I'm just telling you, you're coming out. When you understand that you've been seated in an exalted position in heavenly places in Christ. You get anything out of the word this morning? I hope you did. If you didn't get nothing out of the word today, man, you're a stone or a statue or something. I got to get something. Well, come on and stand at your feet and just... um